My name is Rob Auchincloss, and this is the Holocene Podcast, where we seek knowledge from the most creative, adventurous, and bright among us. These individuals are storytellers, entrepreneurs, athletes, designers, and everything else in between. It is my job as the host to take what they have each learned in their own lives and codify their knowledge so that you can use their lessons in your own life. Today, I'm joined by my personal trainer and my personal friend, Chris Travis. Chris Travis is a business owner, coach, and an experienced ex-technology veteran, having spent 15 years in the industry, with 10 of those being at Amazon, and he currently owns Seattle Strength and Performance and Queen Anne Seattle. He actually left Amazon in mid-2019 to pursue health and fitness full-time and managed to launch successfully a gym that has now become one of those popular in Seattle in the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. He now spends his time coaching others from everyone from middle schoolers to adults to me, and uh, he is one of the most welcoming and warm people I have met and truly exists just to help make people become healthier. Um, he currently still lives in Seattle, Washington with his wife and six-year-old daughter. But uh, in this conversation, it, it, we, we talk about everything from health and fitness techniques to where the industry is going to little simple things that you can do at home to stay as fit and healthy as possible. Um, I know I've learned a hell of a lot from him over the past year, and I hope you learn something from him over the next 80 minutes. Life is either an incredible adventure or it's nothing at all. Chris, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Rob. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So I start every single episode by asking each guest the exact same question. And that is, what is the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning? Wow, that is quite a question. The first thing I think about. Uh, I probably think actually how rested I feel, to be honest with you. Uh, and then I try and think about, you know, um, kind of what my what my night looked like in comparison to other nights so i'm kind of, it's kind of weird because you know it's first thing in the morning i wake up before because i get to the gym pretty early yep um and so and i've come you become used to kind of waking up early but i also realize um i don't feel rested every day that i wake up despite me waking up at the same time every day so it's almost like i wake up and i'm kind of groggy but i'm also in my mind evaluating how rested I feel, and then trying to compare that to other nights to see, you know, I'm all, I feel like I'm always thinking about tweaks that I could potentially make in sure. my day-to-day yeah. schedule yep. that would help me feel better. So, And recently, what have you found has been the most beneficial and the least beneficial? Um, honestly, it's, uh, it, it, for sleep, I think it's all about consistency, you know? Um, and uh, I, I, I've had to tweak it a lot over time to try and figure it out, yeah, especially because I'm such a, I've become, I didn't always used to be, but I've become a morning person. You know, and I've become uh, come to a point where I really, really value the mornings uh, and the time that I have. Um, and so, you know, I've had to kind of tweak my schedule over time to to kind of get to that point. But it required a lot of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and do you wake up at four every day, including the weekends, including your off days? Um, I, I would like to say yes. There are some days where uh, if I get off a week and I'm just dead tired, yeah. I'll let myself sleep. Sure. Because I think ha- having more sleep is going to be more beneficial for me in the long run than Absolutely. trying to wake up and, and go from a sleep deprived state. So. Sure. And what time do you usually go to bed? Um, so it depends on the night, right? So there are a couple of nights at the gym where I go really late. I'll yeah. go till 8.30. Um, and then I won't get home till like 9. And, you know, like I train kids. On those days, I train kids, like 14, 13, 14-year-old 14 yeah. kids at night. And uh, that requires a level of energy 
you know, at <laughs> yeah, the end of they're ready my to day go. that yeah. I, uh, I have to muster up. And so by the time I'm done with that, I'm like wired. Yeah. Know, I'm just like ready to go. I get home. My wife's like ready to go to sleep. And I'm like, all right, let's yeah. go. What are we doing? You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so it usually takes me probably like an hour, hour and a half to wind down. Sure. So on those nights I'm only getting, you know, probably like five and a half, six max yep. you know on a good night which sucks yeah to be honest with you <laughs> that's definitely not uh, enough <laughs> ideally like if i had it my way i would i would go to bed like 8 39 yeah and wake up before yeah that's a good solid kind of seven seven and a half yeah. yeah yeah no and and for me personally i found that um i i have two sweet spots the first is at six and a half and the second one's at nine hours yeah and so some of those sometimes uh, like the winter like the going to bed at nine waking up at six is for me is like a magical time especially if I'm not missing anything I don't have anything to sure, do yeah, for. Yeah. And other times like I know I can push it. And earlier this a couple days this week I've had like four three and a half hour sleep sets yeah. just because I've just been so busy. Yeah. Uh, and, well, I and noticed it in your workout today, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so going off that, thank you. Um, you keep mentioning the gym, and yeah. and a good way to go into this is how would you describe what you do now to your eight year old self? To my eight-year-old self. Um, you know, honestly, like, um, I would say what I try and do every day is just help people move better and feel better and have more energy. You know, that's what yeah. I would tell an eight-year-old kid, you know. And, um, and I think with kids, especially, you know, movement is so important. Especially yeah. on a daily basis, Absolutely. just learning how to move, learning how to play, learning how to kick, learning how to throw—you know—all those like standard movements. Um, and it's funny now that I work with kids, I see so many. Um, you see so many kids who uh, maybe they're twelve or thirteen now; they've never played a sport before. Yeah. And just the lack of um, having that experience—just moving around, playing, throwing stuff, kicking things—you know, playing in team sports, learning that stuff. Um, Really, when they come 12 and 13, it's like they have no athletic bone in their body. They're learning just how to move their body, yeah. you know, how to gain awareness for what they're doing. They, they literally have no control, yep. you know, versus kids who have been doing this since they were, you know, six, seven, eight. It shows you the importance of athletics, really. Yeah, totally. You know, and so I think um, uh, I always try and get kids excited about moving around and playing because yeah. I know that it's going to be so beneficial to them yeah. later on in life. Absolutely. And, we've, and we'll probably spend most of this podcast talking about everything you just said, but... I do think there's an important backstory here in that you didn't always essentially operate. I mean, I don't, I don't want to call you a personal trainer because I think that's too pithy, but like <laughs> you are essentially like a savant of body movement and run a collective of individuals that enjoy sweating together. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I honestly don't mind being called a personal trainer. Sure. I know, I know sometimes you, there's like a, I don't know, a connotation against yeah, that stigma. or something, yeah. a stigma. Um, which I actually think is really, really unfortunate in the industry, you know, especially as I've, as I've come into the industry and learned more about it over the last few years, you know, um, I think it's really unfortunate that one, the personal training industry and the fitness industry really in general is so unregulated, decentralized, you know, um, and the level of quality and regulation that you get depending on where you go is so you know, Insane. it's like there's such a yeah. wide range. It's really, it's a really hard thing. Yeah. You know, um, and so there's that, and then I think I think part of that gives the industry a bad name. Correct. You know. Yeah. Um, and also really doesn't create any career pathing. You know, you get yeah. a lot of these kids who are out of college. They may be athletes in college, and they're like 22, 23. 
they love fitness. They want to go into fitness full time. And maybe they start getting a personal trainer job as a part-time job. And then everybody asks them, well, what, what are you going to do for your career? What are you going to do for a real job? When yeah. are you going to get a real job? Right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really unfortunate. Yeah. You know, and but what, I, what even is a real job, right? Yeah, exactly. I don't yeah. think I work a real job. Yeah. I don't think you do either. <laughs> there like, you go. Yeah. Right. So, you know, and I think it's like, I think that part of it is really unfortunate. I can go on and on about that, you know, sure. but, but I think, yeah. So, you know, I don't mind being called that, but, um, but certainly what, what we try and do at the gym that I'm at is um, put a lot of emphasis on coaching. Yeah. Put a lot of emphasis on knowledge, yes. you know? Yeah. Um, and we try and provide the best possible experience, best possible coaching that we can to members, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think we show that in our results. You know, we show people no, actually getting stronger. Yeah. Actually feeling better, you yeah. know? Um, and that's what matters. Yeah. And even I'm, I'm a solid test case for that myself yeah. and, and kind of going on your points. Like I've worked with numerous personal trainers at like the nicest gyms in New York at yeah, Equinox yeah. and yeah. at some gyms in college. And like you and Allie are like the first two I've actually enjoyed working with. Cause most Thank of the you. time, I, yeah. <laughs> most of the time I, I think they fall into two categories. I was talking to my friend about this, who's doing her DPT cause yeah. she basically does personal training the side to, to pay for school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I was like, do you agree with this? Like they fall into two categories. The first one are the ones that like, are clearly just there to, to make money, don't care. They're like working out with you. They're kind of doing yep. their own thing. They're like, clearly they don't care. Yeah, they and care more about their bodies. Yes. Yeah. And, and and the thing is I've learned with those people is that since I felt like when they would give me a set of instructions, is like, is this what you would do or is mm -hmm. this what I should do? Yeah. Right? And For like sure. I've had dudes that are like, have a hundred pounds of muscle on me and they're like, yeah, you can do that. You're fine. And I'm just like, I don't think this is a good idea. Yeah. Right? yeah. And then the second group of people I think are just like, people that have been entrenched in it for so long they're mm -hmm. kind of just like they've been reusing the same programs year after year and there's there's no it's not bespoke right yeah. you're not and i think yeah. that each individual person is so so unique yep. in how they move and based on injury and as you yep. said like childhood development totally. and everything like that it all depends um before we go deep down this rabbit hole you didn't always do what you're doing now you actually used to work in tech correct right yeah so do you want to kind of talk about your transition from how you got into tech and why you left tech? Yeah, you know, my, my story is kind of interesting. Um, one, I never thought that I would work in tech, which no one does. is different than, <laughs> yeah, than, than, than some people. I think, um, you know, I graduated high school and then uh, I actually went to the University of Washington. I, I was either thinking I was going to go pre-law or political science. And the reason for that, I, I was really idealized at the time. You know, I was like, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to do social justice. Sure. You know, like yeah. all of these things. And and the more I learned about the political process, the more I just became frustrated by it. You know, well, we see this every day yeah. right, in our country. And and I was like, okay, I, I, I can't, I don't want to spend my life doing that. You can call that selfish if you want. But no, like, I just, I, I just I was like, I, can, yeah. I don't, I don't want to do that. You know, and so, but I still finished the degree. Um, but funny enough, like while I was there, I always had a passion for music. And so I actually started you know, street teaming and doing other things in the music industry back when the music industry was still kind of thriving, right? Yeah. Like it was, they had college networks and people sure. putting up posters everywhere, yeah. going to shows, people were still buying CDs, yeah. you know, all of these things were happening. Um, and so, you know, I started doing that. Then I got into radio. Um, and then I, you know, I actually opened my own record label when I was like 22, 23 with a buddy of mine. Um, we started releasing records, not knowing what we were doing at all. Yeah. Just kind of, doing stuff and what kind know? of records were they were they in the genre or they just kind yeah of it was all kind of it was all over the place a lot of it i would say would fall in like the indie rock okay uh so a lot of some There's instrumental a scene of that in seattle yeah, yeah. very very big yeah, like sure. local local indie scene in seattle so i was very much a part of that i hosted a local music show in the end which was a it's a commercial commercial station here yeah um and so i did that and then you know um i actually started working at that time kind of 
in a company called Screenplay, which is a small, it was like a 50-person company at the time. Um, but they did a couple different things, um, a lot of online content. So digitizing content, yeah. kind of syndicating that out to yeah. a number of people. So if you yeah. watched a movie trailer on the New York Times website, for instance, that was delivered by Screenplay, right? Yeah. So we yeah. would actually... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. You no, know, I, I've uh, definitely seen Screenplay before. Okay, like yeah, you're bringing yeah. my memory. I, just, I, don't, I haven't seen it in a long time, but... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so basically, like, I started a job doing, like, data entry there, and then... Um, they just were in kinda, Seattle? In Seattle, okay. yeah. Yep. And just kind of work... I was thinking I was making, like, $10 an hour. And like, what year literally. was this, just to center this people? This probably 2005. Okay, so post.com bubble burst. Definitely post.com. Okay, cool. And, um, and you know, I was making, like, $10 an hour, <laughs> you know, sure. yeah. young kid. Isn't bad for a Doing five. data yeah. entry, exactly. And then yeah. I, uh, I started just kind of to work my way up. Um, and, uh, started getting some, you know, studio relationships. So we'd had a big relationship with Disney, Warner brothers, all those yep. big studios. They started to come to me for all of these things, right. Cause I could deliver on them. And then management, they're just like, Oh, cool. Well, Chris seems to know what he's doing. So they gave me a promotion you know? and all yeah. of a sudden I was like kind of this pseudo account manager, content manager person. Amazing. And I just kept doing stuff, you know, and kind of working my way up. And then I ended up kind of leading, um, leading a team there. It was only a five person team, but I was a director title at like 25, you know, um, kind of leading that team, leading all of our studio relationships at that time. Um, and then, you know, I met a girl, a lady, uh, who, uh, is my wife now. Very important. Yeah. Um, and she, you know, I was doing the radio show at the time. I was doing this gig. Things are going really well. Yeah. I was like, man, I feel great. Yeah. You know, life is good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then, um, you know, she had her own ambitions, which I totally respect. And we had been dating for about three months at the time, going really well. And she uh, she applied for a school in England. Interesting. Um, and, you know, she got in. And it's a it's an interesting school. It's a very unique school, you know. So it's not like you could kind of go and, uh, and get these the same type of school everywhere. Um, so it was a Liverpool in Liverpool, Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts. Yep. Um, it was specifically like a music management degree. So yep. we kind of met through music. Um, and so, you know, I wanted to support her and she asked me to go with her because things were going really well. And I think, you know, I got a lot of advice at the time from different people kind of getting, totally. getting feedback because yeah. things were going well in my life, you know, but I also yeah. didn't want to lose that relationship. Sure. Um, and ultimately the feedback that came back to me, which I think was really good was, you know, if you go, you got to do it for yourself. You can't do it for anybody else, yes. right? Um, and so I took that and I realized I wanted an experience. I never yeah. really been out of the country at that point. Totally. You know? um, and so I did it. You know, we got up and we moved. Um, but at that point, I kind of, I convinced Screenplay to allow me to work remotely. And then I basically created kind of a international business development arm for Screenplay and consulted with their US team because they had all new people in there and just created some business in the UK, and then funny enough, 2008 rolled around. Stock market crashed. Yep. And uh, and the company was basically like, "This has been great. We you know we love having it, but we got to scale back because we don't know what's going on, right? Um, and so if you want to keep working here, you basically got to come back. And so we made the hard decision at that point to come back after a year. It was yep. originally supposed to be three years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came back, and at that point when I came back, I was like, I don't really know what to do. I had the music thing going on. I had screenplay. I kept working at screenplay, sure. but then I was like, you know, if I'm not going to do this UK thing, I want to challenge myself more. I want to go bigger and better, you know? And at that point I thought I'm going to try my hand at a big company. 
because I want the experience, you know? And so I applied to Amazon and Microsoft and a few different places, interviewed at Amazon, um, got a job uh, in the Kindle team, um, and then thought I would spend maybe a couple years there, ended up spending almost 10 uh, across different roles. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know if you want me to go into the story. No, no, I please. Yeah, yeah, keep yeah. doing Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you know, Amazon, uh, super interesting place. Uh, I would say I stayed there for nine and a half years because I learned an incredible amount. Yeah. I kept learning. I mean, the the people that work there, especially, you know, I, I won't I won't even say especially the 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 leadership, but like everybody I worked around was incredibly smart. Yeah. You know, I, I will say like I learned something from everybody that I worked with, and I can't say that a lot of companies, you know. Um, and then the level of innovation they allow you to drive and the level of responsibility and autonomy they give you to be able to do that. It's not for everybody. Yeah, totally. You know, yeah. It, if you're looking for a company where you can just kind of coast and, and, and kind of get in and, and, and do your thing, that's not Amazon. They demand a lot of you and they will take as much as you will give them, right? Um, but if you're, especially at that time when I was young in my career and I was willing to give up that amount of time to learn, you know, um, I... I gave it to him, and I think I got a lot back from that. Now, I sacrificed a lot, but sure. I also learned a tremendous amount. Um, and so I worked across a number of different roles over the nine and a half years. I won't go kind of all into them, but kind of rose the ladder, rode, you know, raised in the company, kind of became a manager and leader, et cetera, et cetera. All of that was good. Um, but about five years in, you know, uh, I had my daughter. And... So did you and your wife stay together after you decided to move back to the Seattle? Yes. Okay. Yeah. She made the hard decision to come back with me too. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's a couple hard decisions there, one to move and then one to come back, yeah. you know? Um, and then, you know, about five years in, she got pregnant. Um, we were expecting our child and um, I had basically given, you know, at that point, like four or five years of my life to Amazon, you know, yeah, working totally. 80, 90 hours a week. Yeah. Just just slaving away. Um, and I had lost my health completely. I mean, just like, was close to 300 pounds, like eating terribly, yeah. not sleeping very well. Yeah. And for the record, you're 6'3", 6'4"? 6'4". 6'4", yeah. So, I mean, I, I think I hit it pretty well, but <laughs> sure. I was still pretty big, man. No, for sure, yeah. And um, and so I was like, okay, I gotta do something. Yeah. I gotta do something here. And so I, you know, like most people do when they're looking to make a health change, they look for a gym. The first step, sure. right? Uh, and so I looked for a gym and because I was in South Lake Union in Seattle, which is kind of where the Amazon headquarters are, um, Seattle trained the performance is a gym there. And I was like, okay, what's around here? Uh, they happen to be a gym. So I signed up Yep. and then I started working. And the funny thing is, you know, I played some football and basketball in grade school. And like, so, you know, I played athletics, um, but never really learned, you know, and I don't think they do a good job with kids is like teaching exercise, basic yeah. fundamental movement patterns, you yeah. know, um, how to exercise, why it's important, what you need yeah. to do, you know? Um, and so when I came to SSP, the first, it was the first time in my life where I felt like people were teaching me proper fundamentals and how to move. Yeah. And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. You know, like, this is great, you know? Um, and then, you know, that coupled with kind of the community that was there that I felt so supported by, you know, and like everybody was very inclusive, you know, very like, I remember the first class, it was like everybody introduced themselves, you know, everybody was like talking, everybody wanted to make sure I felt comfortable, you yeah. know, 
Um, and that doesn't happen everywhere. You no. know, it's not, it's not a typical thing in gyms, you know, a lot of, a lot of teams, times in fitness, people are posturing. They're like, I'd say most times they're posturing. They're, you know, they're doing that. And that <laughs> yeah. just wasn't the vibe that I was getting. And so I felt really good about it. And I just started to, to work out consistently, you know, um, and started to get stronger and stronger. And then probably like three years into my kind of fitness journey, you know, I, I was still a pretty big guy. Like I'd lost a little bit of weight, gained muscle, but I was still not eating very well. I was still, tra- yeah. I was traveling a bunch at that time. You know, sure. I was going like 30, 30, 35% travel. You know, we were launching sites in like Australia and the Middle East. So I was on the plane a lot. Um, and um, I decided, you know, like in 2018, I was like, I gotta, I gotta like get my nutrition in check. This is the sure. year that I gotta drop. Yeah. I gotta drop pounds. I gotta like be healthier. Yeah. Um, I had the exercise piece down. I just had the nutrition down. So yep. I just started like researching on my own. What do I do? How does yeah. nutrition work? Yeah. You know, what should I be eating? How should I be eating? You know, and I just started on a journey and just tried to be consistent every day. You know, and in that year, I dropped something like 60, 70 pounds, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I was like, okay, this is cool. You know, and then I started getting questions from people, you know, people that I knew or people that I worked with who were struggling with kind of the same issues that I had. Yeah. Like, how did you do it? Mm-hmm. How does this work? Yeah. You know, and and then I would just, you know, casually on the side, people would be like, oh, let's go for a run or, oh, yeah, I've been trying to do strength training. And I would just kind of give them uh, things that I would do in the gym that SSP taught me, yeah. you know, like, totally. okay, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. do some lunges, let's yeah. do some squats or whatever, you know, sure. and, and just get, but I realized like, this is kind of fun. You yeah. Know? Like I like teaching people. I like helping people. Sure. Um, And then I just, the more that I got around it, the more I just couldn't get that out of my head, yeah. to be honest with you. Like, you know, I, I left international after four years at Amazon because I was traveling too much and I wanted, my daughter was getting older at that point. Yeah. I just wanted to be home more for her. Totally. Um, and so I took a job in Alexa. Super interesting space, you know, like I was challenged every day. Yeah. I was writing PRFAQs, if you know that at Amazon, like all the time, new ideas all the time. You know, yeah. it was a great space. But I had this bug in my head all the time that I was like, I, I want to open a gym. I want to help people. Yeah. I want to go into fitness. Totally. And I couldn't shake it. No matter how much I tried, no matter how, I was like, how much I was like, oh, man, I'm making X amount of money. You know, I'm doing this. Things totally. are well. I yeah. have flexibility. I have all this. Family, you know, family, yeah. you know, stability, all, everything. And I was just like, I got I to gotta give this a shot. Otherwise, yeah. I'm literally going to be 70, 80 years old going like, I wish I would have done that. And I didn't want that experience, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, and so I decided at the start of 2019 that I was going to leave Amazon that year. Mm-hmm. I didn't know exactly when, um, but I started, you know, coaching kind of on the side. Yeah. Uh, and just kind of at the original SSP, um, just interning and kind of working with people and sure. learning from them over there and kind of yeah. understanding how things work and how this industry works and... Um, and then, you know, it'd been a few months and I just decided, I was like, okay, I'm going to cut the cord now or never, you yeah. know, let's do it. And so in May I left Amazon, uh, after nine and a half years and decided to go into fitness. Um, and so my ambition at that point was I want to open my own facility. Yep. And I'd actually created my own brand. You know, I created my own LLC. I created my own brand. And I was like training people as an independent contractor out of this like studio that I found in Eastlake. Nice. And some of those clients are actually still with me today. They're members really? of the gym, right? Um, and so 
you Wait, know. anyone I've, I've I've worked out with? That yeah, I would uh, Victoria, oh, okay. uh, yeah. Chris Dratt. Like, That's great. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's a bunch of people. It's amazing. Um, yeah, they're all they're all still with me, right? Yeah. Samantha, Maggie, all yeah. those people. Um, and so you know, the funny thing was, I was like, I had that ambition, but I also realized, especially as a coach, there was so much that I didn't know that I wanted to learn. Yeah. And I felt like what I needed to do at that point, which would be most impactful for me, is just immerse myself in an environment that would allow me to learn and fail, yeah, you know, totally. and just like pick up as much knowledge as I possibly could, you know. Um, and I wanted to learn as much as I could also because I hate being vulnerable, to be honest with you. Like it's just and leaving Amazon and entering a brand new field was like the most vulnerable position I could put myself in. Um, and I hated it every day. But <laughs> but it also forced me to like learn a tremendous amount at an very, very fast rate, yeah. you know? And so I just like was reading everything on the side, getting as many certifications as I could, putting in as much time on the floor as I could, working with people, learning, asking questions, you know? And that environment helped me to, I feel, scale up myself really quickly, yeah. you know? Um, and obviously, like as coaches, I always feel like I, I always have a lot to learn. I'm always sure. learning more, yeah. you know? And I always want to be better. Um, but I also needed to reach some level of proficiency, yeah, um, absolutely. And, and I think that allowed me to do that, right? Just working around really good coaches and being there. Um, and so, you know, I wanted to do that right away. And I, and a lot of people would ask me, especially people that are just business minded, they'd be like, "Well, why didn't you just? You had the capital. Why not just like franchise an F forty five? Yeah, or franchise an Orange Theory, or yeah. franchise an Anytime Fitness." No, thank I like, you. <laughs> I don't. I don't want that. Yeah, that's not what I want to do. That's yeah. not my ambition. You know, like no. I actually want to coach and help people. Totally. I want to do it my way. Yeah. You know, I want to do it the way that I believe it. Yeah. Um, and so I took the time, even though I was making shit, yeah. you know, like no money. Totally. I was just living off savings. I was like, okay, I gotta learn how to do this. Yeah. I gotta learn how to coach people well. Yeah. You know? Um, and so that's what I did. I took the next like year, year and a half to do that. Yeah. You know? And then at a certain point I was like, okay. I feel good enough now that I can open my own spot. And then the question was, do I want to revive my own brand or mm -hmm. do I want to do something with SSP? You yeah. know, and, I, and, and to me, you know, because of that initial experience I had with SSP where I came in, the community was so great, the coaching was so great. I was like, you know what? Honestly, anything that I do is really just modeled in the vein of what I've experienced here. Sure. That for me, it'd be more impactful to just extend this brand and bring it to more people, you know? Yep. Um, and so I worked with Jay, who's the owner, you know, at our South Lake Union location, just said, Hey, look, I want to open another one. I want to own it. Uh, but we're going to partner on it. It's going to be the yep. same sure, the philosophy, sure. the same brand, the same way of doing things. But, um, we're just going to extend what we do to a different population of people and more people. And he was all about it. You I'm know? Sure. He was like, <laughs> yeah. let's go, yeah. you know? And so that's what I did. And, um, we started looking at spaces, you know, and he has really great knowledge of, of, you know, just being in the fitness industry for like 20 plus years. And totally. so yeah. we cop got a broker, started looking at spaces back in April of last year. No, strike that back in January of last year. Yeah. Before COVID. Before COVID. And yeah. it took us a while. Um, and funny enough, we looked at the spot that we're in right now in April. And that was right before all the shit was about to go down Yeah, with the government. Sure. Um, and you know, at that point, everybody was like, oh, it's a two-week thing, or it's like a month sure. thing, like yeah, it's yeah, temporary. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? This space is just too good yeah. for me to pass up. Sure. Um, so I was like, let's just do it, you yeah. know? Agreed. And totally. so I, I decided to go for it. And, you know, I was able to 
thankfully my my experience with Amazon allowed me to uh, develop some skills as a negotiator. Yeah, I'm sure. So I was able to negotiate <laughs> some some clauses around, you know, if we shut down, yeah. I won't have to pay rent, all of those things. COVID, you know, yeah. to kind of leverage the situation Intention. that I was in to yeah, make yeah. sure that Amazing. I got a good deal. Um, but yeah, I did that and signed the lease eventually after negotiation in June and then set it up, you know, and then obviously through the pandemic, it's been a wild ride. Yeah. Uh, but now that we're coming out of it, um, you know, uh, one, I'm amazed that we've been able to do what we did during the pandemic. Yes. Um, you know, uh, cause develop- you gave a lot of people shelter is the wrong word, but an opportunity in a time when maintaining personal fitness was probably like so the, important. the most important thing one could do. So important. <laughs> and you, and I, I was so happy cause I think I, you know, I started seriously kind of coming in around, there was a t- period in July and August, and I stopped for a bit. Then I came back. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, didn't, I was like, wasn't ready to commit. I don't know why. I wish yeah. I, did. I wish. You know, hindsight is like, I wish I started earlier. But yeah, you know, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. And I think I realized that people are like, oh, your gym's open. It's like, yeah, they they, they have gone to the end of the earth to make sure that yeah, everyone yeah. is safe, and it's been like everyone involved is willing to do anything to keep working out. Yeah, hundred percent. Right? It's all that matters. <laughs> totally. And I think you know, uh, I was I was really disappointed, honestly, in like local and and federal governments in, in kind of their view of physical fitness in this, you know, and sure. I think I don't want to criticize a very difficult situation, you Absolutely. know, for the entire world. Yeah. Um, There's not a uniform solution. No, but I think when you look at things like physical therapy or chiropractic or whatever, other wellness fields, you know, and you say, okay, those things are essential, quote unquote essential. Yeah. Which I would say they are. Um, those aren't preventative measures. Those are things people need to do after they've had some kind of injury sure. or need to correct in some way. Sure. But what would happen if we actually focused on the things that are preventative? Yeah. If we actually allowed people in a safe way to mm-hmm. continue working on their physical fitness yeah. during a time where physical fitness becomes so critical <laughs> to surviving a pandemic. It becomes everything. You know? Yeah. Um, and instead, I think the response was, let's shut down. And I think that hurt not so just us, many. but so many gyms across the country. You yeah. know, you see so many closing yeah. across the country, and that's a really sad thing for the industry. Yeah, and know? it's not just the the economic yeah. effects of the owners and the gym and like the trainers and everyone else, but like the people that went to the gym to stay in shape. Totally, right? Totally. Some most it's, some people found you know you know outlets elsewhere. Some yeah. just stopped. Yeah, hundred percent. Right? Yeah, and I think you know, look, I'm actually glad that um, in home training is taking off as it has. You know, during yeah. the pandemic, and I think you know. I don't see it as stealing market share no. from gyms. You know, I just think it's expanding fitness overall. You know, which I is think good. it's expanding the entire the entire market, which is great. Um, you know, and I think we have a lot of people who have Pelotons, yeah, but are also like, I need to come to the here. gym and strength train. Yeah, you know, and they totally. do a mix, and I think that's perfect. Um, yeah. but I think, you know, the fact that so many businesses have closed, and especially gyms in in, in particular, it's it's a really sad thing. And I just hope that we can rebound as a, as an industry. Um, to come back strong yeah and I, I also think it's good because there are a couple gym brands that were always notorious especially in new york that were like a bit on the overpriced side that really gave you nothing that yeah. all had to close and so like i hope that that space is then filled by the good gyms expanding into those spaces totally right yeah. i feel like with yeah. with what you are doing here it's like you guys in july and august when so was, you guys opened july this this we opened in august august, august right? 17th yeah. i remember yeah i remember it's like yeah, the yeah. first week i came in yeah how many members do you have active at that point in time Oh geez, I mean, I, I brought over a few from South Lake Union that had worked with me forever. Yeah. Um, but I think at that point, when we first opened, we were yeah. probably at like I don't know twenty. Twenty. Yeah. And you just said a hundred, like what two weeks ago? 
two weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. And during now COVID. Now we're well over 100. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It seems like every week I see new people. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is great. It's great. Yeah. And most people stick around too. Yeah. You know? totally. I think the thing with us is like, um, we offer a really economical trial, you know, um, yes. to allow people to get in there and we give personal yeah. training sessions and, uh, and classes. And, and part of the reason for that is like, we want people to experience what we offer. Yeah. You know? And most people, when they come in, they haven't experienced anything like we've yeah. given them. No. You know, um, most of the times it's very different, you know, or it's very transactional. You know, it's like an Orange Theory or an F45. Or I'm not else. knocking these places. No, you totally. Know? Like anything that gets people to move, I think, is a, is a good thing in my book. But, um, but you, you know, in those places, you kind of go in, you don't really talk to anybody, you kind of do your, do your stuff, and then yeah. you walk out, you know? Very transactional. Uh, very yeah. transactional. And, and for us, it's not that way at all. Yeah. It's very personal. Mm-hmm. You know, movement is personal. It is. You know, yeah. everybody moves differently, yeah. you know? Um, and you, as coaches, we need to account for that, you know? Yeah. You know, if you go to a physical therapist, you shouldn't expect that physical therapist to work with you the exact same way that they work with this person. Yeah, like, you may have an ankle issue, and that person may have a shoulder issue. Yeah. You know, they're not going to give you the same exact <laughs> shit, you know? It's like personal training should be the same exact way. There should be the knowledge in the industry to say this person needs this, this person needs this, and that's great, you know. And that's what we need to be doing as an industry. So yeah, that's what everyone needs to be doing in any industry. Hundred right? percent, especially we're talking about working with human bodies. Yeah, there's a know? fine line between injury and insane health benefit. Totally right. Yeah, and so I think this is a really interesting tangent to go down because as I I think we're getting into a time where. I have a lot of people that really kind of overlooked physical fitness and then throughout mm-hmm. COVID realized how important it was. Yeah. And like, and these are people, these are people that are college students or like wealthy individuals that worked, you know, at Amazon and other fan yeah. companies. And so like people are yeah. kind of realizing like just how important it is to maintaining everything else. And I think that, you know, you and, and this gym is, is so smart in the way that you approach kind of getting people in. So you want to basically say like, come on in for a month, give it a shot. We promise you it won't be like anything else you've ever tried. Yeah. And we're giving you the, the it's, it's honestly the deal of the century. Like, and, I, and, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll lay it out. I don't know. You, you don't have to, like, I will say it, but like, yeah. it's 100 bucks and you get three personal training sessions, which at like any nice gym in New York or Boston or LA would cost you $100 a session to begin with. Yeah. And then you also get limited classes for that entire month. Yeah. And an initial assessment where you get to walk through who you are and what you're doing. And, and the one thing that you and SSP do that was the first time ever is that in class, every single class for each movement we're adjusting for each person because it's limited to a certain number of people. And because almost every person in class you work with or have worked with or have spent time with individually, it's like, you know that, Oh, that person's recovering from a torn ACL. They're not going to do this. That person has an elbow issue. And so it's, it's the little things that you notice, but I think that that's the reason why everyone clearly comes back. And like, so like I couldn't imagine going anywhere else and that's why like i am leaving seattle but i'm still going to use you as my yeah, as yeah. my trainer because sure, it's yeah. like you know me and like i know i if i, if I don't have someone as we talked i think most people think they can do it but i think like youtube or google or you know talking to your friend who also is a personal trainer like it only goes so far yeah right it's like sure. having someone to tell you like do you want to get to this point? Like you're clearly still on the path there. Like yeah. don't stop now. Yeah. Right. Like you're out of the trough of sorrow. You're already on your way. Yeah. Just keep grinding and getting to that spot. Yeah. And I think you've taught me one thing that I've been really appreciative of is it's amazing how good of a workout you can get without touching a single weight. Yeah. Right. And I always kind of underestimated the body weight. Mm-hmm. And and a couple of times when I've been here, it's like I've been traveling. And I'm like, Chris, like I'm going to be on the beach in Hawaii. Like I don't, I'm not yeah, going yeah. to have, I'm not gonna have anything. Sure. Maybe I have a coconut to throw around, but like, 
And so I, I think that this is where we're going with fitness and with other things related to fitness and health. It's like it's completely bespoke. Yeah. Right. Um, and I love that you're doing that. Yeah. No, right. thanks, man. That's a huge uh, that's a huge endorsement. And uh, that's exactly right. That's what we want people to feel. You know, like um, I think and, and you'll attest to this, you know, if you come to a class here, um, we usually don't just say pick up weights no. and go. Yeah. We'll say like, Rob, grab a 50, yeah. you know. You over there, grab a forty. Yeah. And and the reason is is because we know everybody in the class. Yes. You know? And that's we, rare. Yeah. We literally know how much weight they're moving. Yeah. Where they you know, how much weight they moved last week, where they're headed. You yeah. know, like we know rep schemes as far as like, okay, if it's twelve reps, we know this person's gonna lift this amount of weight. Sure. You know? Um and that I think it's just honestly, I think every coach should do that. To be honest with you. No, like they, that, sh- they, they that's should. Hundred percent right? my aspirations for the for the fitness industry yeah. is for every coach to be able to do that. And yeah. and I'll say like you know, I've been coaching for a little over two years now, and obviously I try and get better every day. I follow people that have been coaching for 30, 40 years yeah. that Don't. I get all of my knowledge from. You yeah. know, And these people have been doing this forever now. Yeah. Doing the same, the same kind of stuff that we're doing right here in this gym. Um, and they do it out there. And I just want to amplify that. I want to do my part to amplify that. Yeah. You know, Because that's what I want this industry to look like. Yeah. I don't want the industry to look like... I'm not going to knock people, but I don't want it to look like berries all the time. Sure. You know, we're not, yeah, we're not like, and there is a niche that really appreciates the berries. I get it. It's cool, man. Like red room, red room it up all the time. It's also a cult, but it's cool. It's cool. (laughs) Like if that helps you move, do it. Yeah. If that's what you, whatever gets you out of bed in the morning, do it, do it. Yeah. Um, But I also want people to understand that like fitness can be smart. Yeah. There are great coaches out there. Yes. You can get stronger. Yes. And there know? and there and I will say there there are people that I've had personal training sessions with in the gym at the same time as me that are people that most people wouldn't even think like are able to go work out. Yeah. Like, there's this old he's like in his eighties, I don't I don't know his name, that that comes in here and I Mike, worked out yeah. with Mike Mike yeah. a few times. And yeah, he's yeah. and he's he's chill in the corner. He's yeah, doing yeah. like kettlebell deadlifts, the twenty yeah. kilogram kettlebell, and he's yeah. barely can walk out the door. Yeah, he's a great example. <laughs> you know, the first time I trained him, it's funny, he was like um how old is he? He's 80. He's 82. 82. And he said, Chris, I don't, you know, I've never trained like this. Literally said this to me. Yeah. Like, I've never trained like this. How, what is this? How do you train? You know, like, yeah. how, how, what is it? I love it. You know, and I was like, well, Mike, this is just, you know, just functional strength training, basically. <laughs> like, you know, this, yeah. is, this is what we do. And he's like, I've never seen this. It's like, well, what kind of stuff have you done before? He's like, well, trainers taking me around, put me on machines, you know, I've done some bicep curls, I've yeah. done this, you know, like old school kind of sure. training methods. Sure. But he's never done anything like this. And I think yeah. it's awesome. You know, you put Mike on the ropes, just goes to town, man. Yeah. You know, just gets it done. And as, as he, um, I think I talked to him about this, but he said he's felt like younger, like the youngest yeah. he's felt in like two or three decades at 82. For yeah. Just yeah. Like work, getting functional yeah. strength back. Yeah. It's great. It's amazing. And it's so important. Yeah. No, I think that's interesting because it's, 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 one thing I just realized when you said that is that I haven't touched a machine. I mean, an erg I'll use to warm up, but like that's not a machine. I'm saying like you walk into an even Equinox and yeah, they yeah. have like, I don't know what they're called, yeah. but there's like seems to be like one machine that's like this targets this muscle and your yeah, interior yeah. leg, this yeah. targets this bicep. And it's yeah, like, yeah. cool, but like I'm always on it. And I'm like, am I doing this right? Like yeah. this doesn't make, this doesn't feel comfortable. Yeah. And then so I always end up resorting back to like just the section of kettlebells and free weights. Yeah, like, yeah. That's all I want. Yeah. Right. That's all you need. That's all we need. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we just use free weights here, you know, and I think that's just part of the philosophy. Sure. Like, and you know, people should know how to use free weights. Yeah. You shouldn't have to get on a machine to bench press. No. You know. Yeah. You should be able to use your own body and have enough body awareness to be able to do that. And if somebody hasn't taught you that, go find somebody to teach you that. Yeah. You know, like. And and so that's a good question. Yeah. How how would you recommend people that don't live in Seattle, hmm. like 
what 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 do you recommend? Because I, I think that finding a personal trainer or a trainer or a gym of any kind yeah. can be not only very intimidating, yeah, but like a lot of snake oil salesmen. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah, and I a lot think of false prophets. So how do you how would you? It's a t- again like the, it's it's such a wide ranging industry, you know, um, and it's really hard to pick out quality. I'll say that, you yeah. know, and and I think you only there, know there, if you know there is quality out there, um, but I think you just got to be, you know, use your gut, like go have an assessment with the person, kind of understand their knowledge, understand yeah. what it's, what they're in for. Totally. You know, why do they do it? Ask them questions, yeah. interview them, yeah. you know, why do they do this? Yeah. I've, I've learned that you any, know? any gym that makes you sign into some kind of contract before yeah. you even get in the door is one you should stay away from. Yeah. And right? I think a lot of, you know, a lot of times personal trainers or the, uh, what is it? The image of personal trainers is some dude, some buff dude. Yeah. Who you know has now post protein commercials posts, on Instagram? Yeah, posts yeah. Shirtless pics every two days to talk yeah. about what he does, you know, and then and then gives like a video on Instagram of like, okay, guys, back day today. Here's what we're <laughs> gonna do in the gym. You know, it's like it's that shit like that. Yeah. And look, you know, like obviously the dude's strong and like great, great for you that um, yeah that you can do that. But I guarantee he's never worked with somebody. No, he doesn't know how to work with an actual person. No, he doesn't know how to work with somebody who's yeah. you know torn their rotator cuff. No. He'd be like, oh, do an overhead press. He'd be like, okay, cool. You're sending that person back to the fucking emergency room. You know, <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, and so I think you really got to ask the right questions of people. Um, and if somebody, I'm not saying that personal trainers shouldn't look fit, you know, or active. Yeah. But if they have, um, if they have this kind of like image that they're so concerned at maintaining they probably spend a lot more time working on their set themselves than they do actually training real people um and that's a uh, a big red flag yeah uh, to me so I, I would just pick somebody smartly and make sure that they enjoy training people and not just training themselves yeah that's that's perfect and then kind of a a, a, f- a transition into something very similar it's yeah. that there are so many at-home fitness apps now yeah um are there any that, because I, I think that sometimes some people just want to start moving. Totally. And yeah. recently I've been recommending to a couple of friends the, I don't know if you've played with it yet, but the Apple Fitness Plus. Yeah. Just based on pricing, like it's, yeah. I think it's 50 bucks for a year yeah, yeah. of unlimited access, yeah. which is very affordable. Yeah, totally. And the cool thing about them, I don't know if you've ever seen the classes or not, but like if you're doing like a functional strength class, you have yeah. an option like with weights, without weights. Totally. And the cool thing is that there's three people in the class doing it. The one trainer in the middle is like, that's the middle one. There's someone that's doing like the modified stuff for lighter. Someone's yep. going heavier. Yep. Which is the first time, like you go to the Peloton ones, there's apps that exist out yep. there and they're usually like full of the people that are like, yeah, yeah. oh, we're buff and we work out eight times a day because totally. we eat. 200 grams of protein in the form of powder yeah and they just look like that because they also don't eat dinner yeah, yeah. you know and probably don't feel that great and can't stretch but yeah <laughs> continuing on like do you have an opinion on any particular one that you like or that you've seen that um, you would I, I think they're all fine to be honest with you i mean like i know that there's the peloton one and then there's the nike or not the nike one but the uh, the apple one yeah um I, i've used the apple one uh, honestly only for like um if i have say like 30 minutes to row sure I'll put on their their yeah. rowing one. It's you know? be- and it it's has better, music yeah. and it's like timed and all that it's stuff. It's better than being in your own head on exactly. the road. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah. this is kind of fun. You know, yeah. like somebody's talking to me, sure. like pumping me up, getting me to row. Um, you know, I would say if you're, you know, relatively experienced in terms of having strength trained before and doing sure. some of that stuff. And I'll just talk to the strength training stuff right now because yeah, I don't know about yoga that. and all sure. those other things. Yeah. Um, I would say those are fine. You know, like you had a pair of weights at home, just like 
follow the workouts, you, you'll probably be okay. And yeah. you'll kind of you'll kind of be self-aware of what you should be doing, what you yeah. shouldn't be doing. Um, I will always tell people, if you've never strength trained before or you've never really moved or exercised, yep. I, I always prefer you get help. Yeah, you know? form like, is everything. I, I always give this analogy is like, well, it, it, if you if you like messed up your arm or something, you wouldn't go on YouTube and say like, oh, what, you know, what would a YouTube physical therapist do for me to fix my <laughs> yeah. arm? You know, yeah. it's like, it's the same thing. Like if you're trying to learn how to exercise, just go to somebody and learn how to do it properly. Yeah. Even if you're only with them for like three or four sessions, they'll give you a base of knowledge yeah. that you can then use that will be helpful for you for the rest of your life, yeah. you know? And so I think it's, it's money well spent. Absolutely. You. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that brings up a good reminder of like, I've had a couple of personal trainers before that I'm doing like their, their free intro sessions. Yeah. And if you ever hear the words or anything along the lines of, Oh, we'll save that for the paid sessions a bit more involved. Like yeah, just yeah. run away. Cause yeah, like totally. th- th- this, this is, that's a trap. And also some, all, all trainers, this is another good tip is like all trainers should do some form of assessment with you yes. in terms of, and if there is no assessment, then also walk, walk away. away. Yeah. Seriously walk away. I mean like yeah. if it's just talking, and yeah. you're just chatting about life or muscles or whatever the hell yeah. it is, like, and they don't actually ask you to move yeah. and understand how you're moving yeah. and give you some tips, like, get out of there. Yeah. Yeah, the base assessment that you do here is the same one they do at, like, a high-end, like, an Eagle Rocks. But yeah. A lot of gyms don't go yeah, into yeah. that, where you're, yeah. like, you're measuring flexibility and yeah. basic strength and understanding of basic concepts. Yeah. And I think it's really important. Um, so, you know, we could kind of go down that rabbit hole further but i I just think that there's this interesting trend that's developing within fitness right now around like bespoke technological fitness there's a brand called tonal i think you know what i'm talking about where it's like yeah on the wall it uses magnets to basically have like almost infinite as far as humans are concerned weight wise like 99.9 percent people will be able to max out this machine yeah and it's really cool because it's like it's utilizing AI machine learning and lots of buzzwords we can throw in there to to become the personal trainer but i think at the end of the day it's like you're very limited in scope and what you can do. Yeah. It's still a great workout. Yeah. But also if your form is off, the machine's not going to be like, Hey, you know, stop. Like as you do every single day, it's like Rob tighten your chest, yeah. like Rob flex, like yeah. Rob move your fucking toe for the eighth time, <laughs> you know? And that's, and that's what I think you pay for. Right. Yeah. I think that's right. I mean, like, um, I think those things are great. You know, again, like going back to the home fitness, I think if it makes it easier for people to be able to exercise, um, and get workouts in, that's perfect. Um, yeah. I, I do think, you know, like you said, it has its limitations, you know, sure. and I think if you're looking for quality coaching in terms of how you should be moving, yeah, um, that's not going to give it to you, no. you know, um, yeah. and it's limited in terms of the equipment too. You know, if you have a bar, you've yeah. seen the bar and you're doing an overhead press, for instance, mm. your shoulder has to go in one particular position, Yes, you know, yeah. uh, and not everybody's shoulder should be in that position, to be yeah. honest with you, when you're overhead pressing. <laughs> yeah, no. And so, you know, it's helpful to have somebody look at that and look at your own body and your movement to kind of identify if I'm doing an overhead press, where should I be moving? How should I be moving? What's the safest position for me so that I don't end up in three months with some kind of shoulder pain that I don't know where it came totally. from. Totally. Right. Yeah. So. No. And I think that's true. I, I think the one thing I will say too, is that these machines aren't cheap, right? Oh, like yeah, like no, Peloton treadmill, which is one that's been in the news recently because yeah. of the, 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 the deaths that have been involved. Like it's a $4,500 piece of equipment. Like the yeah. tonal's th- th- 4,000, a Peloton's yeah. 3,000. And so yeah. I tell people that are like, Oh, I I think the problem is that they've marketed it so well. Yeah. Branded it so well that people are like, oh, I know I'll start using the Peloton if I get it. Most people I know that got Pelotons during COVID, like half of them don't even have them yet because they're delayed. You know what's funny about that? I read an article that was pretty funny. Uh, Well, not funny, but but I kind of chuckled at it. But it was uh, 
it was from from a couple doctors who said that um, the the a number of exercise industry uh, injuries that they've seen over pandemic have actually skewed more towards uh, Peloton overuse. <laughs> yeah, because people are cycling incorrectly yeah. with incorrect oh, form. Oh, I know. Yeah. And so they're cycling, you know, six seven days a week on the Peloton. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they come in with knee injuries. And they said that actually over the pandemic, that's replaced what had previously been the most uh, injuries, which has been CrossFit. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so so. I think going on that, it's like form is everything. And so what I say to people, it's like instead of spending the three thousand dollars you would on this machine, yeah, like you can buy a member, like a a year long membership to a yeah. very nice gym with personal training for that much money. Totally. And you will be in much better shape, much better, and a much shape. better place. You yeah. will have to go somewhere physically. Yeah. But I've always learned that like I will always work out harder. And have a better time in a gym with someone telling me what to do than yeah. I will at home. Yeah. Even if I had carte blanche with materials at home and yeah, yeah. figured it out. But I think you made a good point, right? It's like there are very few times, and, and like especially like at Equinox, there are very rare times I'll say something to someone else I don't know. Mm-hmm. But my everyone has that hill they'll die on. And for me, it's the yep. erg. Like the amount of people that can actually properly have like proper form oh, on, yeah. on an erg, which is yeah. a rowing machine people that don't know. Yeah. I'd say it's like one in ten. Yeah, maybe. And yeah. as a cyclist, like I also understand like the kin- kin- kinetics there, and I go into spin class and see the amount of people that I'm like, you're gonna have knee problems in a oh, week. Yeah. You're gonna have shoulder problems in a week. And yeah. it's just like if you just got fit on a bike once or like rode an actual bike outside. Yeah. That's the thing I tell people. It's like if you're setting up your Peloton and you're convinced it works that way, then take your bike that you have, set it up like your Peloton, and try riding it, and you'll realize really quickly that that's you need to you need to make so it doesn't work for sure. Yeah. Right. And in Peloton, you can't check that because yeah. it's like it's a rot- it's a stationary, right. non-moving thing. Yeah. Um, so I just think the, the whole point of everything I'm saying, everything you said is like form is really everything. Yeah. Right. And because the thing I've learned, it's like, you know, you've seen me over the past seven, eight months, like almost triple the weight that I'm been doing on yeah. most exercises. Yeah. And the form is the same. The yeah. form just improves. It, sorry. It just improves. It gets better. Um, but I've learned that like nothing really changes. It's just like, you just get better and stronger. At it. Yeah. And eventually it's now like, Oh, I know how to squat. Like I didn't yeah. know how to squat before. Like kettlebells, yeah. like most people I think it's a really simple movement, but yeah. like you can easily hurt yourself. And, yeah. and sometimes I'll get lazy like this morning and I'll start kipping it. And then, I mean, really know. it's like, it's learning how to use your body and yeah. becoming aware of what your body's doing. Yes. You know? And, and honestly, like once you train people how to do that, they almost self-correct. Yes. You know, cause yeah. they realize, Oh shit, I'm not moving the way that I need to be moving yeah. the way that I've taught to be moving. Totally. You know, um, and that's all, you know, that's what it's all about. And yeah. and I think the last point I'll make is that going on the bad personal trainers, things to watch out for. I've had many personal trainers in the past that like when I'm doing like a, a certain movement. Yeah. Are not watching me and are not like, yeah, yeah. they're like, oh, they're like on their phones. or They're yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. good. Like, keep doing it. But like yeah, yeah. you guys and other good personal trainers I've also worked with are like watching you like a hawk. Yeah. They want to make sure that like you're following form and you're the yeah. first person to be like, you know, not like you, your yeah. favorite thing to do is when I'm doing anything involving like keeping tension in my abs is you'll just take one of those sticks and start poking me yeah, in yeah. the abs and yeah. i hate it but i i, I appreciate it because I, yeah. I know that i can't not cheat so to speak but like there's zero chance of me not doing the right thing yeah yeah right for sure yeah um so to kind of continue this fitness interesting tangent yeah. while moving to other things um i'm asking this question in regards to fitness specifically okay. and, then, and then i'm going to remove that qualification and asked again but is there something that you believe in that most don't when it comes to fitness that most don't yeah um i don't know i don't know it's it's hard for me to generalize most i would say but uh, you know my philosophy is very much rooted in obviously like you know my base my base competency is in strength training right sure Uh, and so 
I, I understand that field very well and, and to a certain extent conditioning as well. But, uh, you know, I, I think people, there's a lot of people who say like, oh, I can't strength train or, or I don't know how to strength train or strength yeah. training is not important. And, and, and I really feel that's a, that's a really bad view. You yeah. know, and I hear this a lot from runners. Mm. You know? Runners will call, oh man, I just run. You know, it's okay. Like, I don't need to strength train. Yeah. I'm a runner. Cycles right? too, yeah. And you're like, you have no idea mm. how much strength training would complement oh, yeah. your running. Oh yeah. No idea at all. You know, like you can strengthen your posterior chain. Yeah. You know, your running is going to improve dramatically. Yep. You're going to feel stronger. You're going to have less injuries. Like, yeah. you know, you said you just have no idea. Yeah. And I think when people experience that, then they're a true believer. You know, Absolutely. we have a lot of runners in the gym right now who came in probably skeptical. Yeah. And have since seen the way that strength training has improved their running and improved yeah. the things that they, you know, cycling or whatever else they yeah. do. And they're like, okay, or hiking. Sure. Right. Sure. And they're like, oh, shit, I got to keep doing this. Yeah. You know? I mean, honestly, even without that, strength training is so important for everybody. Yeah, just living, living life. Yeah, maintaining bone density. You know, like sure. just just living is yeah. so important. You know, if you can if you can do that at least two or three times a week throughout your entire life. Yeah, when you're 80, you're going to be in such a better position. Yeah, you're going to feel so than good. everybody else. Right? Yeah, um, but but I would say like I think that misconception about strength training sometimes is hard, and 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 I think a lot of it has to do, unfortunately, with the fitness industry you know, putting the marketing images out there that are just the wrong marketing images. Yeah. They're not of real people. Yeah, you know, there are correct. people, I was like, well, it's only the dude with the six pack abs who can go in the gym and do the things with the free weights, sure. right? I can't do that. Yeah. I just got to get on the elliptical and go for 30 minutes, right? Yeah. It's like, no, like that's, that's incorrect. And we need to change that stigma. We need to <laughs> it's change always that. elliptical like, too. I'm glad you mentioned that. Like, yeah, if, yeah, if, yeah. I feel like people are like, oh, my mom, my mom is a great example of that. You yeah. know, like she'll, she'll do a little bit of free weights. I don't know that she'll ever take advice yeah. from me to be honest. Cause you know, it's her mom. That's a little weird, but, um, but she gets in the elliptical first thing. She goes for like forty minutes, you know, and then she'll probably go in the weight room and do like some bicep curls or something. Yeah, like, all the day, you know, and that's great that she's moving, but yeah. not optimal. People just have to start. There's this guy yeah. named Chase Jarvis who actually lives in Queen Anne. Yeah, um, he's a photographer. He has a very successful podcast, um, and he has this one quote that he put out on Twitter a while ago that I, I it was, uh, it's more than fitness, but it, it's based on fitness. And it goes waiting to show up till you've made it is like waiting to go to the gym until you're in shape. There you go. Right. It's yeah, like, yeah. It, yeah. it's not going to work. And yeah. at some point I just tell my friends, they're like, Oh, I just need to wait till I lose this much weight. So you have a comfort going to the gym. Just, just like start like, yeah. like everyone, most people in the gym, I've learned this. I learned this the hard way. It's like most people in the gym that are really fit. Yeah. Most of them look like that their entire lives. Yeah. Some of them were the kids that were like athletes throughout school and learned it in college. And were yeah. good, But most of them are people that at one point made a choice and were like, were super unhealthy, like I was, yeah, or like you were, yeah, and then decided to become healthy, totally. And then I felt the benefits of it, yeah. Like it's it's always a good time to start, right? And <laughs> and I would say like you know, looks and images deceiving. You know, like we have a ton of people in this gym who are strong as fuck. Yes, <laughs> and you would look at them and be like, I have no idea. Yeah, no yes. idea. No, and I, I could think of a few off the top of my head right now. And yeah. you, you know, and that's awesome. Yeah, you know, and that's what we want. You that's know? what like, you do. Str- strength yeah. is for everybody, man. Totally. Yeah. You don't have to have six back abs to be strong. Totally. Yeah. Because also you and I know that like anyone who doesn't know this, I, I'm happy to break this for you. It's it's uh, having abs is really nothing to do about working out or about what you're it's eating. It's all about eating. Yeah. Abs are made in the kitchen. Abs are made in the kitchen. Yeah. yeah. And most yeah. people don't realize that. It's like yeah. and, and that's another thing too about I don't care nutrition. how many crunches you do every day. Nutrition is so abs. important. 
Yeah. As a fun as a fun story, you'd like this story. Um, speaking of crunches and cycling, so when I was in college, my first semester in college, like yeah. I went to Fort Lewis, which is like the best racing school in the country. Okay. Came from the East Coast, thought I was super fast. It was like one of the slowest ones in the team. Like the other the other kids that I was racing with are now like national or world champions in mountain biking or cyclocross. Sure, or yeah, yeah. So they're like the best cyclists in the world. Yeah. I was in the lower ten percent, but. Uh, they were all super into like going to the gym and lifting weights and like going sure. core. And I yeah. was just like, no, just go ride your bike. And so I remember the first time I started doing like core, I did like 50 pushups, 50 crunches, 50 uh, squats. And I couldn't sit properly or stand up straight for three or four days <laughs> afterwards. Like that's, that's how awesome. that's like, I was in incredible cardio fitness. Shape, yeah. Yeah. Right. I was still riding 300 miles a week and sure, racing yeah, yeah. and doing fine. Yeah. Uh, but I couldn't do anything like that. Yeah. And I think I had a lot of cycling friends that, like, we look back now, we're like, remember we didn't touch weights? Yeah. And now you look at it and you go racing, and, like, it's even when I ride my bike here to the gym, like, I feel so much stronger. Yeah, just, yeah. Like, the whole body moving. For sure, yeah. Um, and I tell people it's, like, especially, I spent a lot of time in New York. Yep. A lot of young women yep. want to have a certain type of body and physique. Yep. Especially the thinner arms. For sure. And... I think there's pretty much split half. I'm like, I don't want to touch any weights because I don't want to. I don't want to bulk. Yeah. And like the most fit people I know that are the, the girls on Instagram that a lot of these women look up to. Yeah. Are always in the gym, touching weights. Yeah, yeah. Doing pliability, yeah, doing yeah. everything totally. they can to just yeah. keep in shape. Because I think I've learned it's just like, just because you touch a weight doesn't mean you're going to have mus- massive muscles. Yeah. It's yeah. all about what you do with the weight and also what you're eating. <laughs> so. I think yeah, and I think especially with, I'm not a woman obviously, so I don't want to overset sure. my bounds or say something sure, that, sure. that wouldn't be representative of, of the female kind of perspective. But um, I do know a lot of women who are, uh, who tend to get very obsessed with image right? Yep. Um, and, and following people on Instagram or whoever, who they feel like have the right image. And there's a couple, there's a couple people that I want to call out that I think are really good. Okay. Female wise that, that, um, that people should follow if they're interested. And one is just an organization called girls gone strong. Yeah. I think you've mentioned that great organizations yeah. run by a woman named Molly Galbraith. Um, and she's, she has a book out there. Strong women lift each other up as well. Mm-hmm. It's just a great organization. Like they put out great content about this. So I would recommend them. And then also there's another trainer, um, based in LA. Her name is Sohi Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's, she's pretty young. I think she's like 30 or under 30, but, um, she has great content about nutrition, about eating, about image, uh, that I think is just really important for people, anybody, male or female, to be able to, to, be able to get. So I would yeah. call those two people out. And, th- and that's a good aside because there's there's so many people trying to make it in this space, especially on Instagram, that there's yeah. a lot of free information. There's a lot of free good information out there. There's yeah. also a lot of free bad information out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, so for sure, hundred percent. Make sure the information you're you're. <laughs> I can't I can't tell is- you the amount of times I look at Instagram every day and I'm like. Especially Shit. TikTok, like the TikTok fitness. Yeah, like, and then I look at the amount of likes. I'm like, oh god. Yeah. You know, but it is what. It is. My my favorite is, um, you know, I think I think nutrition is the biggest one you see the most in. It's like I have experimented a lot with ketogenic diets and yeah, fasting yeah, yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. The amount of, especially on Twitter and TikTok, you the amount of negative like anti keto, anti fasting yeah, things you see, and it's just like, look, I tell people it's like, I knocked them at different points in time too, but you got to just try it. Yeah. Like like the worst thing you can do is fail yeah. a diet you're not gonna also die. not for everybody it's not for know? everybody yeah. right but also yeah. like i've learned that like my body type being a very pale white male from northern europe like what i need to eat is way different than like my friend Wen, who's from cameroon totally right and yeah. so like we are just on different spectrums yep. and so yeah excuse me we could end up in the same place but we're both eating completely different things to get there yeah i think that's a great aside about fitness and nutrition generally is just that it's not a one-size-fits-all yeah you know um one thing i do want to talk about kind of transitioning into is 
you and I haven't talked about this a lot, but Spartan racing. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're very into that. I am. Um, do you want to just two things, like explain to someone like who doesn't know like what is a Spartan race, and mm-hmm. then go into how you got into it? Yeah, Spartan racing, um, uh, it's basically, uh, there's a whole genre of, of fitness called OCR, which is obstacle course racing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was things like Tough Mudder and Spartan and a bunch, and, and really like, I think over the years, Spartan has kind of bought all of those organizations. Yeah. Um, it's Joe DeSena who runs yeah, it, Yeah, right? Joe DeSena, yeah. and he kind of keeps the brands of the different ones, but really it's like all under one umbrella, Spartan yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's basically, they have different distances. Spartan is great, because I, I love Spartan, because they have different distances and different competitions. Um, they have both, you know, a short distance, which is like a Spartan sprint, like three miles, yeah. 20 obstacles, a lot harder than people think it is, you know? Um, <laughs> 20 obstacles. <laughs> but it, uh, and it's a lot of elevation and trail, you know? Yeah. And so, and every race is different because it depends on where they put the race. The Montana race is going to be different than the Seattle race, you know? Absolutely. Could be 90% mud, could be 90% dust flying in your eyes, yeah. you know? Could be 4,000 feet of elevation, like who knows, yeah. you know? Um, but they also do like a, a middle distance, a super they do a longer distance, which is a beast, like a half marathon yeah. with obstacles. And then they do endurance events, yep. you know, so anywhere from like four to 72 hour events. Yeah. Where you're just lapping and have a tent. And- you do all kinds of stuff. You know, they have you carry all kinds of shit and like basically try and mentally break you down. Totally. They want you to quit. Yeah. That's what those events are for. Yeah. Like how fast can I get you to quit this event? Yeah. Is what they're trying to do. Um, As an example, like what are some of the obstacles you have like that exists because i think people in their head like imagine a bunch of different things but like yeah yeah well i think the endurance events are interesting because i did a hurricane a hurricane hit and this is a four-hour one but you know uh, it's a very team-oriented event um and you know part of the like i did the sprint earlier in the day and then a buddy of mine went back and did the hurricane heat at night and it got dark it was cold this was in portland yeah and they had the barbed wire section where normally you have to kind of crawl under this barbed wire Mm -hmm. so what they did is they broke us up into three people and the goal of, and this is probably like a half mile of barbed wire. Yeah. Right. They're crawling. And they said yeah. every single person has to be um, dragged by the other teammates under this barbed wire. So we all had to take wow. turns. And the other person had to act basically act like they were dead. They couldn't yeah. use their body. Yeah. The other two people had to literally drag this person under. Meanwhile, the nice people at Spartan were taking hoses and spraying you in the face with water. Yeah. And making it as muddy as humanly possible, which yeah. partially helped with the dragging Sliding, of the yeah. person. Yeah. But also you got really fucking cold. Yeah. And hypothermia kicked in real quick. Yeah. You know? Uh but you know, it's stuff like that that it's like, well, how gritty are you? Yeah. How much can you take? Yeah. Are you gonna walk off? Yeah. Nobody's gonna stop you from walking off, or yeah. are you gonna finish it out? Yeah. You know? And that's just that's the whole ethos of, of Spartan. How I got into it was um uh, when I was first entering my, my fitness journey, you know, I was doing a little bit of running and stuff. Um, and a buddy asked me to run a Spartan race and I was like, well, it's 5k, like how hard could it be? You know? Um, and it just absolutely destroyed. I mean, it's (laughs) just like, they had a half mile, uh, upward barbed wire crawl on this one. And it was like the hardest thing I've ever done in my life at that point. Yeah. Um, and I was like mentally defeated at the yeah. end of it. It's, it's um, usually like what two or three feet off the ground. So like you can't, you can't. There's no way you can stand up. No, no. And I'm a big guy too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Know? And so yeah. at that point, I was carrying like 70 pounds more than I have right now. So imagine yeah. trying to climb up this fucking, you know, <laughs> hill. It was awful. You know, 
the worst experience. Um, and you can't even stand up if you wanted to. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. stand up. You know, you're stuck in the middle. You yeah. just got the only way is up. Yeah, you got to keep going. You know. Um, and so I finished it, but I was defeated. Um, but you know, the way that I handled that and kind of processed it in my mind was, um, uh, I will not be defeated. You know, sure. like I was yeah. like, no, fuck that. It's definitely more mental than physical. I'm, I'm going to come back. Yeah, I'm going to do it better. At that point, I don't know if I totally believed myself because mm. of, of how mentally defeating it was. Yeah. But I was like, I will I will come back and do this. Yeah. Um, and so then I just started training specifically for it. You know, I started doing mm-hmm. things yeah. to, inc- you know, increase my ability to, to, to be able to do those races. And then in 2018, was that 2017 or 2018, I went back and I uh, I completed a, what they call a Spartan trifecta, which is all three race distances in a year. So I did, the, I did the beast, the super, and the, and the sprint. Um, and that was a big moment for me. Yeah, you know, that sure. was a big. That was like, I came back from what was a pretty dramatic, crazy experience. Actually, I think it might have been 2016. I think it was 2016. Um, it was my first trifecta, um, and came back and did it. And then from then on, it was like, you know, I love it because when you're out on the course, the only thing you're thinking about is surviving. Yeah. Just going from one obstacle to the next and just kind of getting through it. There's yeah. everything else in life just goes away. Sure, you know, and it's, it's meditative beautiful in a way. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, you know, you climb these hills and you're just like, "This is great." Yeah, you know, and so like, and the, and the feeling of accomplishment after you've completed one of those. Oh, races, I'm sure it's ridiculous. Huge, yeah, you know, and so I just got addicted to it. Yeah, I just love it. And now, you know, I love taking people on their first race too. Yeah, you know, and just training them up and 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 seeing that level of accomplishment and and that feeling that they get after they've completed it. Yeah, huge. So that because you, you just started a Spartan program here. That's like I did. Like yeah, twenty three classes or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that that's designed so that you you do as are you guys going to do as a team? We're going to do it as a team. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So we have weekly team training, um, and it's just basically you know we're five months ahead of the race here in Seattle. Sure. Um, and I just want to get people moving and and kind of take them through a program so that by the time that they get to the race that they're prepared to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and then how do you, how do you train people for, for obstacles like that? Um, you know, it's, it's honestly not that different than how I would train people functionally for strength. Sure. Um, there's a lot of the same things. Yeah. You know, they're spraying water in their face in the gym. Yeah. There are things with Spartan <laughs> that, um, that I do that are a little bit different. One is we'll do a little bit more running. Yeah. You know, because running is actually really important. I think yeah. where people, first timers get tripped up on their race is not in do they have the strength to do the obstacles? It's in the time between the obstacles mm. and the elevation they encounter, specifically yeah. on trail. Yeah. Um, and so they underestimate it. So by the time they might get to an obstacle, they've just done a mile going up a thousand feet of elevation. They're too gassed. You yeah. Know? They like they didn't train for that. And so they get to an obstacle and they might have normally had the strength to do it, but they just fail. You know? Interesting. And then when you fail an obstacle on Spartan, you do 30 burpees. So it doesn't get any easier. You know? Do you do you get to move on past the obstacle if you do 30 burpees? Or if you do 30 burpees, you can move on. Yeah, so you have to do either 30 burpees or the obstacle, one or the other. Interesting. And the, these are full burpees? Full burpees, chest to ground. So yeah. so question there is, at some point in time, I feel like doing 30 burpees and then running half mile past the barbed wire crawl would be faster than doing the barbed wire crawl. So there are other people that have been gamifying. You, you know the question I'm asking, right? Like, yeah, is, I, is there a gamification of this here? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. I, I, feel I actually like think Joe it would take would longer to do 30. Yeah, you think so? Well, yeah. 30, because how many obstacles are there? Some of the obstacles are quick. Sure. You know, depending on like what it sure. is, and also twenty, so that'd be six hundred burpees yeah. plus running. Yeah, it's, that's yeah, like that's you could a scale a wall in a few seconds. Sure. You know, um, yeah. So I don't, I don't know that I'd recommend that. 
Yeah, no, I, I was, but I, I was just thinking about that. Like, I Good think, thought. I yeah, think I'd rather yeah. do 30 burpees than crawl half a mile under a barbed wire fence. Oh, well, maybe. some of them, they won't allow you to do it. Okay. Yeah, so it. like if you get to the crawls, you just got to crawl, man. For sure. You can't, yeah. Because crawling can't is like, like you've been doing this as a kid. So you yeah, can't yeah, be like, I can't yeah. crawl. It's like bullshit. Get, yeah, like, yeah. get another totally. barbed wire. Yeah. Is, is there one that it's like, one of them is like electric wires hanging or like shocks or like what is that's part of the tough butter got it okay yeah, yeah. So i know there's one of them that's a bit a bit, yeah. a bit controversial yeah. for something because someone got yeah. some of the heart condition like yeah, a, yeah. yeah something like that who knows but i feel like if i use the bathroom quick. no sure, sure pause yeah We're gonna we're gonna wrap up. This moment, this is this is being recorded right now. He's just peeing. What? Well, I doubt we can hear you because. <laughs> what? Oh oh, you mean peeing? No, I don't. I don't think I don't think we heard you. I think you're good. I'm not worried about it. I mean, like I'll just I'll just come back. Um, your guest star. Yeah, we can we can do an Ally and Rob episode. It would just devolve. It would, you're, you're, our, our podcast would devolve into debauchery and sexual history. <laughs> oh, it's not that bad, actually. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I, I have a couple good ones coming out. Um, yeah, and then we'll wrap we'll wrap this up in the next because we have a class and yeah, yeah. So we'll wrap this next time. All right, and we're back. Um, so I think I think that's it on the on the Spartan races, but. It's something I definitely want to try. So I'm definitely gonna yeah, yeah. pick your brain because, like, yeah. I, 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 to me, it's fascinating. Yeah. To me, I just want to do it. Yeah. Another, another thing I want to talk to you about eventually, not on podcast, but off it. It's just like, I have no interest in ever running a marathon. Yeah. No interest. Yeah. But I have interest in doing an Ironman, like a full mm. one. Because uh, like swimming, I've always liked. Cycling, I know I can do. Yeah. The run to me would be the hardest part, but I yeah. know it's all mental at that point. Yeah. And if I'm in that level of shape to do the other two, then yeah. you can do the run. Yeah. Right, so we'll talk about that another time. But yeah, I think the last thing I'll say on Spartan and, sure. and stuff like that is, yeah. um, you know, there's obviously the the physical training that that is required in order to, to do those races, but um, it's also a lot mental, man. The mental, yeah. It's the it's nothing the resili- you for that. The amount of resilience you have, yeah. The amount of grit you have, um, yeah. and if people underestimate that and don't prepare for it, they'll get hurt. I'm sure. And people people do get hurt. Yeah. 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 And so it's uh, their ambulances on standby. At these totally, <laughs> yeah. I've seen people crack their legs up. I've seen all kinds of stuff, you know. Um, and it's it's bad, but you know, um, and it's not necessarily those people don't have grit or mental no, resilience. No, and but, sometimes shit happens, right? But like, shit happens, yeah. yeah. But I think like the people that don't have that going into the race, the minute they hit a hurdle or encounter an obstacle, yeah, that really challenges them, the likelihood that they'll walk off. Yeah, you know. So. Yeah, and and I know a lot of endurance racers, cyclists, runners who have transitioned to Spartan and done quite well. Yeah, uh, because I think totally. there's, there's a lot 100%. of grit there. Like I've done hundred mile mountain bike races. Yep. And, you and have those, to have it, and those are yeah. like, I learned a long time ago. People are like, are you are you physically ready? I was like, I am physically ready. I'm not mentally ready though. Yeah, like, it's totally so much right. in time in your head. Hundred um, percent. Okay, so kind of we're, we're wrapping this up soon. I want to get you out of here on some uh, rapid fire questions. Okay, and you can answer these questions in as few or many words as you like. Cool. Um, if you had a billion dollars that you couldn't spend on yourself, what problem would you try and solve? That I couldn't spend on myself. Or family or, you know. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think it's education. 
that's such a big topic, I know, but yeah. it's it's. I think fundamentally, uh, our system of education in the U.S. is broken. Oh, you know, beyond broken, hundred percent. Yeah, um, and I think, honestly, you can trace um, a lot of the fundamental problems that we have in this country back to lack of quality education. Yeah, um, and I think if we tackled that, um, then a lot of these issues, uh, hopefully, in the next fifty, seven hundred years, yeah, would start to look a little bit different. Yeah. You know, um, I, I I even just look at all of the things that happened with Trump and. The amount of misinformation that's being spread, sure, and the amount of people that believe that misinformation, yeah, is just astonishing to me. Yeah, you know, and I think honestly, I would love a demographic read of all of those people. Yeah, um, and the level of education of quality education that they may or may not have received. Sure, in the U.S., and there's and probably a correlation. You would see a big correlation, there, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I think we, you know, as a country, we just have to tackle that. Sure, so. and I think that another thing is someone, someone might come and be like, "Oh, a billion dollars isn't a lot for all of education," but education really is like a. It's not a zero sum game because like a billion dollars could still help a lot of kids. And 100%, it's like if you yeah. can help one more person, yeah, you're totally. doing your job. Yeah. Right. Definitely. You don't have to help everyone. Yep. You know? Um, is there a story that your family or friends like to tell about you? Oh man. I'm sure there are. I'm trying to think of uh Ones that might be, and we can table this after a few more questions if you want to think about it. Yeah, let me think about this one. Okay, cool. Um, if you could send a single push notification to everyone's phone in a given area, where would it be, and what would it say? Queen Anne, come join SSP. <laughs> <laughs> Do it, or even, even even beyond that, just send it to Seattle. I, yeah, exactly. I, I think that I was talking to my friend Casey, who also is a member of SSP. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I brought her in. Uh, where to get her sister in too. Um, but I said, I was like, I think that you're going to have a membership problem in like a few months where you're just going to have to like have a wait list, which mm. is a beautiful place to be in. Yeah. yeah. I, th I think you're heading in that direction, which is yeah, yeah. great. Yeah. Great. I'm really happy for you guys in doing that. Um, okay. Great. Perfect. A uh, little bit of self promo. <laughs> there we go. No, like, there there's, go. there's no shame. And in, in, yeah. in, 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 like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, some people are like, Oh, don't, don't ever sell yourself. Like, you have to, it's yeah. like, you know, you, yeah. if you want to create things, you want to create, you gotta be proud of what you do. You gotta be yeah. proud of what you do. Yeah. Right. Um, do you have any advice for your grandchildren, future grandchildren's generation? Um, I think it's, you know, um, I don't know if this is for everybody, but I, I can I can pull on personal experience on a little bit, which is, you know, managing um, your your expectations for yourself versus other other people's expectations for for you, you know, and and kind of I love that, you know, coming to grips with and trying to learn more about who you are and who you want to be and what you want to stand for, you know, um, and I think I, I I struggled with this for a long time in my life, trying to live up to my family's expectations or, or perceived expectations of me, yeah, you know, totally. um, and, and, and also trying to prove something to other people yeah. versus trying to hone in on what I wanted to do and what, who I wanted to yeah. be the type of person that I wanted to, you know, to, to, to kind of be in this world. Mm. Um, and, and I think that that's important to, it takes a while, you know, and, and, and it takes a while to kind of understand that for yourself. Um, but I think the sooner you can start doing the work, the better off you'll be. Totally. So, yeah, and I think those are signed up by two of my favorite like things I say to myself. And the first one being, uh, what other people think of you is none of your business. Yeah. 
Uh, and the second one is like the classic quotes, like those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. Yeah. You know, and I think that's true, right? Yeah, I, totally. I, I think, yeah, we could make, make a whole book about that. Yeah. Um, going back to the question on, is there a story that your family or friends could tell about you? Anything pop up? Um, and it's fine if it doesn't. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I can't. I, I'm. I'm like drawing a blank on this one. It's kind of interesting. There, there is. Uh, <laughs> I know that look. <laughs> it's like, I, I mean, there's the like, there's like stories of like. Um, I guess I'll say this because I, I, I. There's one story where uh, it, it's nothing. It's nothing crazy, but it, it came up recently on a call that I had with some some old college friends. I, I worked in in college radio. Yeah. At UW, and and we became a pretty close group of people, and. Um, one of the people in our group actually passed away recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a little bit of like a Zoom vigil that we did, you know, sure. just kind of remembering yeah. him. And and some of these people I hadn't talked to in a long time, it was kind of interesting what they remembered of me, you know, because it had yeah. been such a long time. Yeah. Um, and one of the stories that they remembered was, um, uh, you know, Cliff Bars gave us a lot of, uh, a lot of promo material yeah. at one point. And I think I probably ate like, seven or eight cliff bars at one point just like <laughs> hanging out in the you know we were in the sub basements yeah of the hub at the university of washington like dark completely dark i was just down there hanging out in the station yeah. ate too many cliff bars and then i just like lost my mind basically like just completely <laughs> there's so much, sugar too much energy started yeah. shaking. Oh, yeah i started like getting up on couches and like running around <laughs> and like looming over people and saying weird shit and so that was like the the preeminent story that they remembered of me was like, did you remember <laughs> that time Chris started like doing all this weird shit? He ate too many Cliff bars. I was like, wow, I haven't thought about that in forever. But, yeah. but there you go. <laughs> yeah, no. I, as a funny aside, and we talked about nutrition and fitness not too much, but like, of my, I have some people who are like, oh, you're going on a hiking trip. Like, how many Cliff bars are you taking? I'm like zero. Yeah, because like I'd rather have a Snickers. It's basically yeah, yeah. the same. Yeah, it's, it's the same, same thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. Just my, like if I if I'm gonna eat that much sugar and shit, yeah, yeah. I might as well enjoy a Snickers. Yeah, yeah for sure. Like clip. I mean, a no offense, Cliff that. Bar, but yeah. like there's yeah. a lot of sugar in. There, yeah, for sure. Right, and yeah. I think I think the brilliant thing about Cliff Bar is it's always been masquerading as this like harmless health brand. Yeah, when it's, it's the farthest thing from the truth. Totally. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah. Do you anything you want to plug? <laughs> no, man. I just want to say like, uh, I know you're moving. I'm sure we'll still work together, but uh, yeah. it's been really cool seeing uh, your commitment in the gym, the amount of strength that you've gained. Appreciate you know? it. It's really just, I think you're, you're a testament to just being consistent, yeah. you know, and just like buying into a program and, and seeing the results from it. So I just want to commend you on that. Thank you. That means, yeah. that means a lot to me. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, we'll have a good cool, rest man. of your day. Thanks for having me. I appreciate yeah, it. Always. Okay. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation between myself and Chris Travis. You can find me online as always at Rob Auchincloss or RobAuchincloss.com. You can find Chris and his associated businesses at SSPQA. Uh, if you simply Google that, most things will pop up. And by simply typing his name in alongside of that, query should come up. Otherwise, I hope you all have a fantastic rest of your day, week, month, year. I love you all. Goodbye.